0: Of all of the guests that we have had on our podcast, Sister Josephine Garrett has probably been the most frequent. (laughs) There are lots of laughs and giggles and smiles, but she's such a woman of wisdom and faith. And one of our favorite episodes from last year was when she shares her vocation story. Um, And she talks about how Uh, really how God spoke to her and what led her to become a sister and like her discernment. But she also speaks about what we can do as moms to help our daughters discern what God is calling them to. And it's just a wonderful episode from one of my favorite guests that we've had. Yeah.
1: Like you said, she's one of our favorite people and we've referred to her as kind of like the mother of this podcast, someone who really encouraged us. But one thing about sister Josephine is that she's real mm-hmm. and hearing her conversion story, hearing her um, journey into religious life and um, how we can encourage our daughters. Like you said, um, was just really helpful. And just to have that witness in our diocese has been a, a great joy. So we hope yeah. that this is uh, helpful and encouraging to y'all as well. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples.
0: Welcome, everybody back to our Life Beyond the Chariot. This is our second episode of season two um, and I could not be more excited about today's guest and our discussion. She um, is a regular special guest. So I don't know if that makes you super special.
2: Yes. <laughs> super unique, super
1: unique yes. um, she's like the s- spiritual mother of the podcast I feel oh, like
2: yeah. I'm not gonna lie when the introduction played my heart overflowed oh. I'm serious I was like Ooh, you need to pull it together girl <laughs> <laughs> because it really was I'm was just yeah yeah grateful oh, mm-hmm. well, we
0: are so excited to have you here I know um, all of our conversations that we have had with you um, you just have so much wisdom and joy, and I just feel like the Holy Spirit just, like, comes forth from your mouth, and I learn something every time we get together, and so um, today, we are just going to hear about your vocation story.
2: It's my favorite thing to talk uh, about.
0: <laughs> and, and I just love hearing people's story, and I don't know much of your story at all. I think Deanna may be a little bit more familiar maybe (laughs) my sister's story um but uh yeah so i'm excited so without any further ado if you would like to lead us in prayer and then
2: we'll get going sure in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit um holy spirit come now um and help us give us the graces to hear you um to hear the will of the father in your presence um help us to share whatever is god's will and give us the the grace and the gifts um, to increase our trust that our relationships with the Lord are the greatest treasure that we have to share. Um, help us to grow in boldness and courage um, and faith in sharing those stories um, so that the church can grow and so that the love of God can reign and fill the earth. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, sister. We're just going to jump right in. Okay. Um, tell us a little bit about your vocation story or what led you to discernment. Um, we're just going to let the Holy Spirit and you discern what you want to share.
2: Okay. And I'm going to do like the the three to five minute elevator pitch, <laughs> right? Because we're going to keep this on time. Um, so I grew up Baptist in Houston, Texas. I wouldn't change that. Um, I'm so grateful for the lessons that being baptist taught me and gave mm. to me um just to you know be bold in the faith and to um to have to let the scope <laughs> of that jesus wants to have let that be broad so i grew up in one of those churches where people were passing out and falling out i was never the pass out or i was the fanner <laughs> like, get up girl check nice. your pulses oh nice. um, that was my role Um, I went to the University of Dallas and I did not know it was Catholic when I enrolled. Um, So it obviously had a huge impression on me. Nice. And the Rome semester had a huge impression on me, fell in love with St. Pope John Paul II. Um, So I eventually came into the church. Um, It was helpful to be a part of uh, UD's uh, Latin liturgical choir. Um, So that's how I learned the mass in that choir, singing the mass. Um, So this was a tremendous formative gift and we're, always writing that director and thanking her for giving us God really mm. you know in this mm. music so I became Catholic and people like to ask like how did your family feel about that and I'm like you know my family knows me so they're kind of like there are worse things she can do than the Lord <laughs> like so they they showed up in their Sunday best uh but then the curveball came like with religious like <laughs> um so that was a little more bumpy but ultimately also joyful uh, so I had been Catholic for like four years, um, and was a Sunday Sunday Catholic. Um, you know, if there was a serious sin on my conscience, I would go to confession, and was just like basically like a Sunday confession only when absolutely necessary kind of Catholic. Mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily see a specific desire to change that. Um, then I got back. I got a chance to go back to Rome with that choir, mm-hmm. and um, went to confession. You know, at St. Peter's. And wow. went to Mass at St. Peter's as a Catholic. This was um, pivotal in, in a continuing conversion for me. Um, I remember on that trip, um, in that confession, I was kind of pouring my heart out to the priest of all the things I knew I could be and should be and wasn't being. Mm-hmm. And he, two words, all he said was just begin. Um, and then the next day, I got to go and do all of that again because our... Um, our friend group had decided we were too stuck up and we needed to branch outside of our friend group to people we didn't normally hang out with. So I looked outside my friend group and found the cutest boy outside (laughs) of our friend group. But I was like, I'm gonna make friends with him. a really, really holy and virtuous man, and he asked if we could go back the next day and go to confession again in mass because he hadn't been to St. Peter's in that way. Mm. Um, And that day, we prayed all day together, and I was just struck by his courage and the faith, Mm. and that just never left me. It stayed with me. that He was really cute, but it really (laughs) stayed with me, his courage and the faith, like the way he loved Jesus. And so... I wanted to grow that way and I wanted to hold on to things that were changing. So I got a spiritual director and one day he asked me what my greatest hope was. And I realized I didn't hope for very big things. Like I didn't hope like a Christian, right? Christians, we have outlandish hope Mm. because we believe in being raised from the dead, which is outlandish on man's terms. I didn't hope like that. And so when I started to pray that way, Um, I was praying before the Blessed Sacrament, serving at a youth conference, and the thought just came in my mind, it would be so wonderful to serve the church as a sister, to just do this. Um, And I was shocked by the thought, very afraid. I definitely don't fit the mold for nuns. Um, Because what were you doing at the time? um, I was a vice president at the bank, at a bank, um operations manager and a project manager so I had a really big career Mm -hmm. um, and that helped me feel important right that helped me to feel important and so um it was a long process I was scared because I just didn't see sisters that felt like a place where I could belong a lot of them look like Stepford nuns to me (laughs) And there ain't none stuff for it about me. <laughs> uh, so I just I struggled. But then I found Sisters of the Holy Family of Nazareth. And I spent two years discerning. And it was beautiful because every sister was so unique. And also one in family and like one in the gospel. And that just, I was sold out. <laughs> uh, and So I entered in 2011, made my first vows in 2015, and then just made my final vows. So... That's it? Or I guess that's, like, the very <coughs> short term. I
0: know. I'm trying to practice a lot of self-control and not ask you, like, all these little details because I know we have some more things that we want to get to. Right. Um, but just for perspective, how old were you when you felt that call? And then how many years is it from when you heard that call to when you started
2: discerning like when you found the sisters sure so i was 28 when i was sitting before the blessed sacrament and that became really aware that i need to discern this i was 30 when i entered as a candidate okay so i spent two years visiting um which is about like the high end of the average um about two years visiting and then as a candidate, it's continued discernment. So there was candidacy mm-hmm. for about a year, postulancy for nine months, novitiate for two years, and then five years of being like a junior sister before your final vows. Wow. Yeah, so it's been a long road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But
0: you celebrated basically your wedding day to Jesus. Yes. Uh, your final
2: vow. So tell us what the day was. I mean the day was a two and a half hour long mass, which I didn't know it was two and a half it hours. It was
1: the longest mass I've ever been to, but it was so beautiful. Like yeah,
2: we crushed the vigil. It, it, <laughs> was, it was
1: amazing.
2: Yeah, but, I mean it was a daze to me. When people told me it was two and a half hours, I didn't even have one to watch. So I didn't know. So I was mm-hmm. I mean so it was um, a tremendously beautiful mass that is the mass but then incorporates all of these elements for the consecration. And and just beautiful prayers um, beautiful rituals and then after that we you know we couldn't have the type of reception we would normally have everything was much smaller <coughs> but still incredibly beautiful um, and then we passed out so just a beautiful day i was given this ring uh, final vows is, you know that's kind of the the key symbol is the ring and took a mystery that day as well to add to my name so
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about that ring and the mystery?
2: Sure. The ring says, Delectus Meus Mihi et Ego Ili, which means, I am my beloved's and he is mine. Mm. Mm. Wow. Is that Song of Songs? Yes. Nice. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Um, A friend of mine sent me a, a portion of his dissertation. Um, where he reflected on this because mm. he was one of the celebrants at my, at my vows, the con celebrants. And so after he wrote me and said he was just really touched by the ring and that he had reflected on it in his dissertation, and he sent that section of his dissertation to me, and he, it basically said throughout the whole life we're saying it over and over. Mm. So I wake up in the morning, I am my, I am my beloved. So he gives me grace. He is mine Mm. you know i step through the door of the ministry i am my beloved so it's just this ongoing like saying it over and over in all things so like an ongoing exchange um in perpetuity (laughs) just around and around and then the mystery is um you get to pick it and there's probably you know every sister's is different and the cover of the program at Final Vows was actually all of the mysteries of the sisters who live in Texas. Wow. Uh, so it was all their mysteries going around the edge of the image of our mother foundress. So our mother foundress's mystery was Jesus the Good Shepherd. And so when you think about what mystery God wants you to have, it's to look at like, Um, how has God consistently, like, shown himself to me? Like, what has been the way that I've been able to go to him, to know him, to grow closer, like the common thread? Mm -hmm. When you read Mother Foundress' story, Mother Frances, you know, the patron of our hospital, when you read her story, you see all throughout it that God shepherded her Mm -hmm. faithfully because she was in some really dangerous situations (laughs) spiritually, but he always pulled her through. Um, So that's a perfect mystery for her. My mystery is the espoused mother of our Eucharistic king. Mm. So, wow. mm-hmm. mm. so it's Mary. Yeah. <laughs> it's Mary yeah, you know, and the Eucharist. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> yeah. powerful.
1: How
0: I mean, just because I'm intrigued by this, I feel like it would take me forever to try to, If I had to decide on like a mystery, like lots of reflection and mm-hmm. thinking about how God has spoken. What was that process like for you? Like, did it come to you or was it? Yeah, I'm just curious how.
2: Yeah, it was random. Mm-hmm. I was like. I think I was just kind of laying in bed, getting ready to go to (laughs) sleep. And thinking like, I know, I I know it's Mary, you know. And Mary's the undertone of the mystery in a way. And I know for sure it's Jesus and the monstrance, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so the loud part of the mystery, Mm -hmm. the obvious one is Jesus and the monstrance. But, like, I couldn't let go of Mary. But, like, with Mary, it was even more mysterious. Like, something I had to really stay present to. And even on my 30-day retreat and. In a moment of prayer, I actually was in dialogue with Mary in prayer, and she said, I know you know why Jesus, but do you know why me? Mm. Wow. You know? And it was like, it's not as clear, but I know I can't leave you. That I know, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just not as clear. And then one night it just, and Mary is most significant to me in her role as spouse of the spirit, Mm. because I think that's how she's mother right now. (laughs) Excuse me. And so um, St. Augustine has this wonderful quote where he says that she's still laboring with us Mm. until we are born into heaven, right? Mm. Conformed into the likeness of her son. And so her womb is still very full Mm. and she's still working. And so Mm. when I hear that, I'm like, and when I think about how many people say no to that, like, I don't want to be born, you know, (laughs) to heaven I just want to be a midwife. I'm like, can I get a towel for your forehead? Girl, what do you need? Like, what do you need? (laughs) I want to help her. Um, And so I was just laying there and it just came. The Mm. spouse mother of the Eucharistic Mm. King. And it felt too long. It felt too long. So I started asking people, it's too wordy, right? And everyone I asked, it was like, it seems perfect, sister. And then I finally got the courage to tell my provincial superior because she has to approve it. And so I was on my 30-day retreat on an off day, and it was the day she called to tell me that I was officially approved for final vows. And so uh, we were sitting talking, I was hiking, and I took, like, sat down and was talking to her, and she told me, and then she said, so you have a mystery yet? I was like, okay, Lord, here it goes. (laughs) So I told her, and she said, Josephine, that's perfect. And it just, so, yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's
1: gorgeous. I was, besides it being a very long mass, it was a gorgeous mass, (laughs) and we were there with our family. And the thing that really struck me, and I held on to the um, to the program, um, and I had every intention of like bringing it with me so we could like walk through it together. But of course, like children, and I'm not as organized as I want. But what I guess the thing that really came to mind for me throughout the whole mass was like the sense of the communion of saints. So like, and in the sense of like the community of saints here on earth and um, like the people who were part of your story before you even entered religious life, like there were folks there that knew you then. Mm-hmm. And then there were all these people that were walking with you or were part of your life now. But it was just a sense of like a whole like a wholeness of of community and i was just so struck by that and then we had this amazing litany of saints as part of that too and i was like oh like this is like this is what we're supposed to do like this is what this is what the communion of saints is and just to see how many people were there and i know not everyone there was even represented by every stage of your life but to just see like so many people had walked with you or seen you in different stages of life like mm-hmm. oh, i just thought it was gorgeous
2: Mm -hmm. and in the mass like so all throughout the preparation (laughs) we I was telling people it felt like the final level of Jumanji because there were just (laughs) so many obstacles with COVID and we actually had to change locations three weeks before vows and so it brings about a lot a lot of good discernment when things are getting stripped away about like what matters and so in the conversations with You know, the sisters who were with me in the planning and my leaders, it was this focus that it's the mass that needs to remain public. Mm -hmm. And it's the mass that matters, Mm -hmm. that we make it possible for people to be at that mass. And so this is seen in the communion and another communion of saints and the importance of praying for one another and with one another, you know, and that body of Christ. And so... It took me some time to arrive at this because at first I, you know, was sad that we couldn't be together in the way that I had imagined, right? And all the things that were stripped down. And I didn't realize it until I watched the video, Back of Vows, Mm -hmm. because one of my favorite things to do is watch people go for communion. And that day I couldn't because I was crying like audibly crying (laughs) during communion so I was just trying not to make a pure fool of myself (laughs) and sob loudly okay Uh, but it was so I couldn't even look up um, because I was just in that prayer and so when I watched back and saw everyone going forward for communion for blessings I realized that like we were together in the most significant way which is the Eucharist Mm -hmm. which is in the Eucharist and in the Mass and even people who don't always get it right. that day, they got it. People were texting me and saying, "I don't even know what happened to me during the during the uh, litany of the saints." Mm. And one woman said to me, "She is Protestant." She said, "I know God is always present." She said, but Sister Josephine, God was really there." Mm-hmm. And I'm I, like, "Yeah, in the Eucharist, <laughs> the real presence, right? Come on yeah, come on, girl, <laughs> get you could have that all, all the time." The time <laughs> For Every day. a day. Um, so, yeah, I think that idea of communion and community yeah. um, was the greatest gift of mm. the day. And like mm. what was necessary. All the other things are, you know, really lovely. Yeah. And you had some
1: really nice, really extra, like, <laughs> it was
2: all these Vietnamese bags, fingers. Like. <laughs> <Beautiful>. <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, it was an outpouring from that parish, uh, St. Joseph Vietnamese Parish mm-hmm. in Grand Prairie, Texas poured out their hearts Yes. um in everything they made there was a photo booth Yes, the rosary pouches in yes. the gift bag i've got mine a couple of sisters and the postulants handmade all those okay 200 of them they just t- <laughs> so it's and that it was all just like the father saying i've got you with great mindfulness mm. like i am incredibly aware, and I've got this, um, and I am provident, Um, even the church, uh, the stained glass window is a monstrance from floor to ceiling. Um, Stunning. And there was one time on Third Day Retreat where I was praying uh, with the scripture from the wedding of Cana, and in that prayer, I imagined I was making my vows at that wedding, and I was before a monstrance. So I think three weeks before, it wasn't our plan to be there. Mm-hmm. Wow. But in God's providence, I made my vows before a monstrance. That so, oh. is good. Yeah, it was God just a lot good. of really wonderful graces. Mm-hmm.
0: That's beautiful. Um, I uh, We could not go because the location was switched, and I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and um, But my heart has been with you. Um, and I think that – and I go back to my wedding day and realizing that just like – how profound the ceremony was, Mm. right? And I'm sure that every um, sister or every priest when he's ordained, um, religious brother, um, have this sort of profound encounter um, in a way that is deep, in a way that God is still, and that's the thing, is that even after we say yes on a a vocational level, right, to God, um, he's like, for so long I thought that was going to be sort of the end of like major discernment. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And the fact that God's like, no, I, I'm still moving in and through you. Um, and that he reveals himself in so many powerful ways. Um, and to just have that day Mm -hmm. embedded in self in your heart, I just think is beautiful.
2: And to keep like, letting it grow like letting mm-hmm. the, like discovering more of the graces mainly of the vows of that day right yeah. so you come away with this these vows this commitment and um it just grows and it just like you know keeps uh, becoming more profound
1: mm-hmm.
2: um and being a way to like know God let God reveal himself to me and then respond and work for him but it just like it's an ongoing growth like it's grace so yeah Oh, yeah, God's good. And
1: mm-hmm. I, one of the great gifts, I think, for our diocese is that you're present at the school. Um, so St. Gregor, St. Gregory <laughs> Cathedral School. So my daughter goes there, and hopefully more of the little Johnstons will be there next year. <laughs> um, but your presence there is so beautiful and so impactful. And I know one question that... For us as moms that have daughters, like, how do we encourage our daughters or for anyone to just be open to the possibility of a vocation?
2: Mm -hmm. I think on the practical level, like beginning at the practical level, I know it's harder to see sisters because there's not as many spread outs and there's not as many in Catholic ministries. And so just that seeing a woman who's a sister so a young woman realizing that's you know a possible call yeah um it gets harder and so i i it's hard to ask but you know i think it's we've got to ask moms to to reach out to sisters i know a lot of vocation directors And I know that if they receive invitations, like, can you Zoom with our daughters, they will accept those invitations. Uh, Sisters are oftentimes at a lot of Catholic conferences. Mm -hmm. When you go to those, it's like a flood of sisters. (laughs) So even if it's a Catholic conference for, say, college students, as a family, you could go up just for a talk and then, like, walk around the booths and meet the sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I also challenge vocation directors um, who are sisters and religious communities? I think there's a challenge for us to be okay, like extending simple invitations. I think yeah. sometimes we want to do like big events and big yeah. discernment retreats, but just to like extend simple invitations, like to maybe two or three families. I think that's a way to kind of build this, uh, rebuild the culture of how God might call. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I think that's important. Um, I also think though, on a deeper level and probably even greater task is to for all of us to restore our faith in the power of the Eucharist mm. like sometimes we gotta we feel like we have to do all these like super intricate backflips and and like you know <laughs> <laughs> all of this fancy stuff to get them to get it yes. programs and, and yeah and really just like placing our kids in the presence of the blessed sacrament and not feeling ashamed if they behave badly at first or sleep. Um, I think it's you know, we know your kids aren't perfect. You know, people know your kids aren't perfect because they kids ain't perfect and everybody can quit pretending. Um, it's it's just, just take them there to the adoration chapel. Um, in our program, our vocation programming, we really decided that, um, we wanted to discard this. You're going to come to us, and we're going to talk to you about religious life all weekend. Yeah. We discarded that, and we were like, we will use these resources to teach women to pray. Mm. Because if what we say we believe is true, that will be sufficient. Yeah. If they have yeah. a sincere relationship with Jesus, then they will hear his call, and it will break their heart not to follow. Yeah. Um, and so that really became oh, our... Beautiful. Are like, we're going to take all our resources and just encourage encounter with Jesus sincere, mm. and that's been barely fruitful for us really that's fruitful such a for gift. us. Yeah, that's so such a
1: gift. when I was in well high school and college, I, I feel like, and I may have shared this on other podcasts, but part of my vocation story is like really fighting. A possible vocation to religious life. I was like, no, I can't. I'm no, there's no way. But it's in knowing like people like you, like seeing the joy that you have and encountering having those personal relationships with sisters. I feel like that makes a huge difference. And and I think something that did help me to become more open was like encountering real people and it's not just a brochure. And I will tell you, at least back in the early 2000s, one of the best ways to get mail is to fill out a uh, yes, I might be interested in religious life. I got so much <laughs> mail. I I got so much mail in yeah. <laughs> junior and senior year of high school. So if you ever need mail, like just tell somebody you're open to being a sister.
0: Maybe like, that's what moms can do, right? Build right? <laughs> their daughter's name out. Another that's card. A- I got like
1: so that? much mail. It was great. It was great. Yeah. But like the personal relationship. So the fact that like my girls will and our and my my sons too will get to know you. It's and um, same with our priests in the diocese. Mm-hmm. Like spending mm-hmm. time with great priests and great religious sisters. Like. What a gift to our families, like, taking advantage yeah. of that.
2: And any time they can see um, the sisters together, because like I said, I encountered some of those Stepford types, and I was like, Lord, I can't do it. <laughs> but if I could go, you know, when you can go into their homes and see how they love yeah. one another, that's such a big part of the discernment, because I know I really see it in our young people, and I, I don't think it's wrong. I just think that it's got to be stewarded. Um, our young people... Um, are aware of some of the dangers in our church and the struggles in our church yeah. that are cloaked in goodness and charity, but not necessarily the mission of Jesus. And so, our younger people are grasping, almost clinching on to external signs of what they hope for internally. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's wrong. I think it says that they desire to truly live the gospel. Uh-huh. Um, And so I don't think it's bad to, like, look for some of those external signs of the consistency that they hope for. But at the end of the day, the type of habit is not going to decide if there will be people who love you sitting beside you when you die. Mm. It's how they love one another in the day and day. So I I think it's fine to be attracted to those external signs of what you hope for internally. I think Mm -hmm. it's a a manifestation of a desire for real virtue but you've got to at some point see how they love one another yes. you have to see how they love one yes. another um for it to really be the match for you and the path that's going to help you get ready for heaven yeah um so yeah.
0: no on a, on a really practical level because i i do i just want my um daughter to to be open Um, And so, like, at what age do you think is a good – so, like, when they're little, I mean, throughout the whole life, right, expose them to the Eucharist, bring them to adoration. When is a good time to um, take your daughter, like, to call a vocations director and say, hey, can we just come and see?
2: Um, Yeah, I would think starting that as early as fifth or sixth grade.
0: Nice. And,
2: like, letting them do that together. And hopefully it will be a community where they're not, like – we're going to sit here and talk to you about the vows, <laughs> but like when they bring your, when you bring your daughters that they're like, let's play Monopoly, like, you know, so you can see how they love one another. Yeah. And then we're going to go pray evening prayer together and we're going to teach you how to use this book, girl. But I really yeah. think as early as fifth or sixth grade, you can start visiting and nice. letting them get to know sisters. Yeah. Sisters like to write letters, so, you know, becoming pen pals yeah. or whatever, things oh, like yeah, that, I great. think, and just really oh, simplicity, awesome. no, you know, yeah. <laughs> just simplicity. Yeah.
0: And I think one of my biggest um, struggles I have is my daughter. She is beautiful um, inside and out. Um, Man, she's wonderful. But her and I, we definitely approach our relationship with Jesus much different. And I think I tend to try to force things. Like there was one day I was like, I had my Bible out. I had got her a little notebook for her to do Lexio, And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so great because I love praying, doing Lexio Divina. And she hates writing. So, nice so when we sit down and I'm like, okay, so this is gonna be so great. I was like, we're gonna read a Bible story together, we're gonna talk about it, and you can just write some stuff. She's like, I'm out. And I was like, Peace. But, but no, like, there's this journal I got, and it's like, raise your eyes to the things above. I forget what it said, but like, super cute. And I was, I was like, you know what? I do this. And so I go into like freakout mode, and I'm like, in a sense, trying to, because I want her to hear God's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's definitely, she reads more Bible than I ever did growing mm-hmm. up, um, but just in a different way. So I know for me, it's like trying to not push too hard. Um, so what what do you recommend? Like what are some practical things that parents can do to really foster that, um, obviously bringing them to the Eucharist, um, but what are some other things as far as um, without being too pushy? Because I also don't want her to be like, that's too much, up, yeah. you know?
2: Yeah, simple things like, because I think a key to being able to discern is a key, uh, being able to know God is present, lovingly present in the things occurring. Mm. So even in a way that matches your child, like asking them, um, how did you experience God's love today? Right, because then they're starting to slowly Mm. turn the volume up on, oh, God is present and showing me his love in my day. Um, like what friend do you feel? Like we talk about this as early as fourth grade at Saint Gregory in the counseling in the guidance program. We talk about virtuous friendship. Mm-hmm. And so I'll ask them, Who are your virtuous friends? Like the ones who say, No, nah, we need to strive together to be better people. So who who what friendship today challenged you in virtue? Mm-hmm. And then they can draw about that or write about that or make a little play doh shape. So like um, let your kids respond to you in a way that matches their personality, yeah. um, but just like posing those types of questions and giving them a way to answer it that suits their personality. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's great. Because advice. I b- I believe kids will respond to those more difficult questions if we um, frame them in a way that they're excited yeah. about responding to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. No, I love that. That's mm-hmm. awesome.
1: We will definitely have you back.
0: On. <laughs> our regular special guest. <laughs> I think
1: this is like your fourth episode, but the first one in studio. Yeah. So, yes. And we're so grateful for you because, like I said, I feel like you are very much like a spiritual mother of this specific ministry within mm-hmm. the Institute. And we are just so grateful for your encouragement and support of our vocations. But, I'm excited
2: for y'all. Thank you. Yeah. Well, where can
1: people find out more about you, the sisters, Oh, so wow.
2: our website is nazarethcsfn.org so that's c like cat s like sam f like frank in like nazareth nazarethcsfn.org um, and we also have all kinds of like facebook instagram social media so it's sisters of the holy family of, the Naz- of nazareth and if you look that up on social media platforms you'll find us very
1: good. We'll okay. put that in the notes, too. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> yeah. To like. When I was saying CSFN, I felt like I was going to lose track. Yeah. <laughs> 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 awesome.
1: Well, thank you so thank much. You. So much. And thank you to all those who have been watching and submitting questions. And if you have ideas of um, other guests to bring on or questions you'd like us to address, we're happy to uh, to do that. Please like, share, subscribe, all that stuff you're supposed to do with social <laughs> media posts. Um, and check out the St. Philip Institute website, um, stphilipinstitute.org. Um, please pray for us if you feel called mm-hmm. to financially support us so we can continue to, to build ministry like this um and yeah just but again thank you so much sister thank you you. will you close us with prayer
2: yes in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit uh heavenly father as we go uh forward with our days um in this week and in our lives uh, we particularly call to mind the ways that we are asked to build your kingdom of love and peace um especially in this week where we celebrate unity um, and pray for greater unity. Uh, Help us to be um, builders of your kingdom. Help us to be faithful women um, in responding to how you call us to participate in your kingdom. And Lord, uh, help to grow our faith that even our small and ordinary contributions um, can be great in light of the kingdom of God. I want to ask your blessings specifically on Mickey and Deanna and this ministry here at St. Philip Institute. Uh, Continue to strengthen them, uh, embolden them, um, and continue to just increase in their hearts um, an awareness of your word and of your presence. And we ask all of these things uh, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.